a playlist original. It's your host, Tori, and who is ready to be petty? Welcome back to another episode of RTBB. I am so glad you're here. I am currently on vacay, so you are getting an episode I recorded with the old millennials this past fall about 2000s makeup, when we were introduced to makeup, fond or not so fond memories of 2000s makeup. We do a lot of like specific product call-outs aka the Dr. Pepper lip smackers that everyone was obsessed with and it was a really fun episode. If you are reminiscing like I was, send me what your fave products were. I remember I had this big purple sparkly caboodles kit. I don't know if people remember what that is but I had a big caboodles kit, all the lip smackers, and the caboodles like glitter and stuff like that and I just I don't know it's just so funny that you have a whole makeup kit and it's literally just lip gloss and (laughs) glitter like nothing else maybe an eyeshadow like a blue eyeshadow but literally nothing else so I hope you enjoyed today's episode we are still rocking over on the patreon even though I am on vacation so if you're looking for more content from me you can check that out patreon.com slash rtbp podcast and next week i'll be back with more trending pop culture topics with some very very fun guests okay friends without further ado i feel like this is an rtbp first another podcast a little feed drop but without further ado here's my conversation with emily and Margot from the old millennials Hi. Hello. Welcome back to Old Millennials, a deep dive on shallow topics of the 90s and 2000s. I am one of your hosts, Emily Beijing. And I am your other host, Margot Poupard. Well, today is a very special day because we are welcoming a very special guest. Please welcome Tori from the Ready to Be Petty podcast. Yay. Yay. Hello. I'm so happy to be here. We're We're so excited to have you on today. We're so happy to talk about 90s cosmetics. I know. I feel like I lucked out in the topics. Oh, yes. I mean, it's a a real treat. And I'm not just talking about the Dr. uh, Pepper flavored lip smacker. (laughs) Like... It's. Uh, I think this is going to be a really fun topic. We've talked about doing this for a few seasons, so we're we're very happy to have you here today. Um, I'll just give a quick overview of your podcast and you, Tori. You are a young professional working in Victoria, BC, but in your spare time, you love to discuss reality TV, celeb gossip, pop culture, and star- stories that have happened in your life, all things petty after all. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you are the host of Ready to be Petty, which is this fantastic weekly podcast that goes into the latest gossip stories going on in celeb and pop culture um, with the caveat of having uh, everyone discuss who is having the petty moment. And I, I'm so sorry if I'm getting this wrong, but the pettiest week 
And yeah, then, <laughs> and then having your guests go into what their personal moment of pettiness was for the week. Um, we had a whole lot of fun being guests on your pod a few weeks back. Um, so we're excited that you can join us today. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> like I said. <laughs> so I think we can just kind of get started um, with a fun little Oh God, I was about to call it an icebreaker, like we're in an orientation group. At How work, dare but... you? <laughs> hey, I work at a university in student programming. Orientation just passed. Like I'm ready for this this icebreaker. <laughs> Couldn't be yeah. more ready. Do you have two truths and a lie ready to go? <laughs> How did you know that was going to be my icebreaker as well? Yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Those are always the most stressful. I feel like you either end up lying, like having the most outrageous lies that's a dead ringer for a lie or it's like something super subtle where it's like I have two cats and the lie is oh JK I have one cat like it's just stupid so they all are so boring or they're just so outrageous you're like all of them sound like lies but mostly I don't know any of you well enough to be able to determine (laughs) what's true and what's not yeah (laughs) in some cases I don't want to know after knowing those two truths and a lie so, but to go back to the ice icebreaker, when did you first buy a beauty product with your own money or allowance or something like that? And really, what were some top brands for you um, as you were kind of a preteen or teenager? Mm. Yeah, I can remember this day so vividly just because, I don't know, I guess it is like a pivotal part in a young girl's life, but... I first started wearing makeup. I was allowed by my mom to to wear makeup going into grade eight. So that was high school for me in Canada. So I must have been like 12 or 13. And I went to Walmart as, as, of course. as a teen does with my two best friends. And I bought some um, cover girl, like brown, not matte, definitely shiny, translucent eyeshadow and mascara and a brown pencil eyeliner and called it a day. (laughs) But I, like, I gravitated towards all of the things that, you know, I saw in magazines, like teen people and stuff like that. Like it was cover girl, Maybelline, I was like, oh, L'Oreal is like expensive. <laughs> like, like I was going for like the wet and wild and <laughs> stuff like that. Of course. <laughs> Tori, you and I have like similar makeup journeys, except it wasn't going in. I, I could wear makeup for like special occasions, like for weddings or bar slash bot mitzvahs growing up. But it wasn't until high school, like ninth grade, that I was able to, I was allowed to wear makeup like every day, like everybody else. And um, this isn't necessarily makeup related because similar to Tori, I just like grabbed all the wet and wild stuff because they had like the (laughs) coolest packaging. Although I will say their eyeliner is god awful like you're better off using a crayon you need a lighter you need a lighter to sharpen yes yes yeah i was sharpening it with like my school pencil Uh, oh 
Oh yeah. Not great. Yeah. And yeah. Then, like, what's the difference? Like, <laughs> nobody nobody told me. Nobody sat there and like explained the difference to me. And you know, to this day, I do swear by Great Lash mascara. I do think it is like the best mascara for your buck. Like dollars to donuts, the best mascara that you could totally use. And so I had some of that and like just slathered so much concealer that was definitely not my skin tone. But what I really vividly remember is that I also was like using you know, Teen Vogue and like um, Teen People and like whatever, whatever co- Cosmo Girl, whatever my mom had yes, lying around, yes. and was like, "I'm going to tweeze my eyebrows for the first day of high school." <laughs> and I'm, you know, because I have, you know, I've got bangs, but I have like, you know, I've always had like a thicker brow. I have thicker hair. It's curly, and I and I've always been doing everything I can't just put on all of the frizzies. Like that was in the Burbank area to like make my hair straight and shiny like an Olsen twin because that's who I desperately wanted to be. But I was like, I'm going to pluck my eyebrows and I'm going to, you know, they say it's super easy. You just look at the picture and like look at yourself in the mirror. And and nobody um, told me or nobody considered the fact that like I have zero artistic skill whatsoever. Like I can't draw. Like I can't really like I never really like cut straight. Like it's never really there's always something quite a little off with me. So I'm looking at a picture of Britney Spears and I'm trying to like pluck my eyebrows like in the same shape as hers. I'm going along and like one looks halfway decent and the other one is like so short and thin. Um, It's like I would not call it an eyebrow. And then I <laughs> just had to go to school the next day with my fucked up eyebrows. And I used a brown went wild. Maybe it was matte. Maybe it was glossy. Unclear. Don't remember because I was just like so traumatized by like what was about to happen to me in my eyebrows first day of school with the such shitty Crayola brown eyebrows. And it was just I and, and and this eyebrow never like looked right ever, like even as like a 34 year old adult, like it still looks fucking weird. And so that is my trauma <laughs> with makeup and like my first experience, which is why I go for like a natural look now because partly lazy, but also, you know, I can't trust myself. I trust like other people, but just not me. Yeah. I definitely uh, went down the wet and wild aisle or section of a pharmacy in my day, like buying those things. Um, that eyeliner is absolutely terrible. The number of times I poked my eye out, like <laughs> with eyeliner or just like, I mean, the raccoon eyes for me, I have very watery eyes due to allergies. And so uh, no eyeliner was a waterproof eyeliner, <laughs> when you, especially most of the time if you're buying one from like the wet and wild section. It was, yeah, that, and you brought up the CoverGirl foundation concealer. So I remember CoverGirl had this, it was like a circular like press foundation. And it was like this little, um, it was a thing that you used with your two fingers. And rather than it being liquid, it was like uh, you press on the sponge or whatever, and it would give you some foundation. But, you know, not having the ability to test uh, any colors out at the pharmacy. And then on top of that, really wishing that this very pale, uh, rosy skin would be just a bit tanner. Um, we definitely went for a shade a bit too tan for myself. And I'm not saying I was wearing blackface, but like I, it was just, it was borderline offensive, the shade <laughs> that I was wearing. Like it was just 
so never going to align with what uh, my uh, skin tone was going to ever be. Um, I had to, it took me many years to accept the fact that I do not have a golden skin tone like my mom and sister. I am very much like my dad. It is pale. And when it is in the sun, it will turn into a lobster red. Like <laughs> it takes a long time for someone, especially in a world of Laguna Beach, very, being very tan was very big in the mid 2000s. So mm-hmm. um, that was a, a journey of acceptance that I went through. All of the self-tan lotion that oh, was yeah. inescapable, just yes. ruining people's furniture left, right, and center for years. Yeah. I remember buying the Jergens Natural Glow. Nothing about it was natural. <laughs> and and buying the um, Hawaiian Tropic like SPF 4 oh, tanning God. oil. Yes. Cancer just, in liquid form. Yes. Literally. Totally. And like – I'm like you, Emily, like I'm very fair skinned. So that was absolutely insane that I thought that I could just, yeah, go so much darker that like now I wear so much SPF that it's, it's like wild. And then, yeah, I've never, I don't use fake tanner anymore. I just embrace my natural skin tone, but I definitely, I don't think I had many concealer faux pas because I think like you two are right. The biggest kind of like faux pas I think are like eyebrows, too much concealer, too much eyeliner back in the day. I definitely did too much eyeliner, but I don't think I had good skin. And I I don't feel bad saying that because I have awful skin now. I definitely fell into the adult acne phase, but like I had decent skin as a, a youth. So I didn't like put tons of like concealer on, but I, yeah, I was live and die by like this like I can smell the the Hawaiian Tropic was good, but the Jergens like it was oh my disgusting. God. It was like chemicals. It, yeah. it, it, it smelled awful. It really had that um that scent of like something that's been sitting in a warehouse for a really long time, and it's just <laughs> yes. like a, like a kind of musty. It was just awful, <laughs> terrible. Oh my goodness. But I mean, you bring up a, a great point about like having like not uh, acne prone skin as like a teenager, like some of the worst products that caused the biggest breakouts were like proactive, that deranged St. Yes. Eve peach walnut. Oh my God. I was like, why is Everyone... my skin so bad? Yeah. It's like, oh, why is my face burning? And why does it feel like I lost a layer of skin? Yeah. I, just, I exfoliated like, it off. <laughs> I'm so exfoliated. I'm like raw at this point. It was, it, I mean, it was truly really a time in which we caved into the beauty. Like we were willing to suffer for the beauty product. And nowadays it is the beauty product that must cater to us. And it's like, I can't use this because I have sensitive skin or I am prone to dry skin. So I will, you know, gravitate towards this moisturizer, what have you. There's very much, and it comes with age. Maybe it comes with like our society, but I feel like in adolescence, there's just this need, um, especially in the mid two thousands to cave into, well, this product seems to work so well for everyone else. Therefore it should work for me. Why is it not working for me? Do I need to sit and suffer? (laughs) 
I mean, yeah. case in point being like the wild out, the wildly different outcomes that you could have from like a different face wash dependent on the yes. person. And really what it is, as to your point, Emily, as you get older, you realize like if you have acne prone skin, you need a professional dermatologist. There's no amount of proactive Neutrogena Noxema in the world that's going to actually get it under control. It's a doctor's job now. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. And like that wasn't even something that crossed my mind unless you had like severe acne and went on like Accutane or something. Which had its own set of problems. Like people yes, that like develop totally. like, like, rubbery skin. Like so yeah. in some ways I'm like, oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> and I, the I think proactive breakout. 100%. I think Accutane was even banned in the States at some point. That sounds um, right. Yeah. yeah. So it's so wild that yeah, even if you had a bit of acne or dry skin, like you weren't considered, like you, at least in my sphere, you would never consider going to a derm. But nowadays it's like, oh, you have a tiny issue, like go see a derm, <laughs> like right away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's that shift. I mean, like, thank God all of us are willing to seek help in the right places when <laughs> yeah. we need it. <laughs> Go yeah. get a go get a professional facial. Can afford to get a professional facial. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's it's so we talked about a few products that you know stand out to us. Um, you know, in terms of what our first journeys into the world of beauty as teenagers or preteens looked like. Um, for you all, is there still a product outside of the ones we've you know already mentioned that still stands out to you? Well, you, Margot, mentioned. What's the the green and pink mascara? Great Lash. Maybelline oh, Great, Great Lash. Lash. Yeah, like I feel like that is still recommended on as like a very inex like yeah, the best bang for your buck. I think that's what you said. Like a very inexpensive option. And it's funny, I actually don't use it now, but this like reminded me like I don't even like I'm just using like a random like drugstore, like L'Oreal or whatever. Uh, mascara and I'm like I should get a a great lash <laughs> like it's good <laughs> I, it still makes when I was working and I, I think it's still true now but when I was working in the beauty beauty industry every single year it would be it would still be at the top of like allure's beauty yeah. list and like a, a glamour and a couple of other ones and I was out of town or whatever I was like in LA for a friend's wedding I'd forgotten my mascara and I got a great lash and just like threw it in my bag after just to have it. It's still great. I mean, you should throw it away after six months, but like, you know, <laughs> nonetheless, the, as somebody taught me, I will pass it along. If you didn't know on the bottom of all of your makeup, if you lift the little instruction flap, there's like a little picture of like a makeup thing and it tells you how many months you can have it because yes. that also took me far too long to figure out. Oh God. The yeah. Number of mascaras I just used a year out after buying like as a teenager. It's just, just like I'm surprised I can still see. <laughs> I have I have glasses. I have glasses, but the fact that I still have some semblance of vision is is a miracle. I was gonna say yeah. Emily, that's the reason why you and I have glasses, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's, same it's, here. <laughs> it's all expired drugstore mascara, baby. <laughs> Um, there's one product that I have been thinking about a lot since we started this, um, like kind of reading up for this episode. And I brought it up early on at the beginning, but like that Dr. Pepper lip smacker for me up until it's a uh, sudden death, as I found out through the article I shared RIP, I, uh, 
even as in my 20s, I would still buy this flavor because it like if I could find it in a drugstore, it just like sparked up so much nostalgia that I like I loved it. Like I realized the smell is super artificial and all that. But for whatever reason, it was like the one uh, like few one of the few things I still from drugstore, uh, middle school, high school makeup buying days that I still very much carried other than the Maybelline Great Lash Mascara, which is great. Yeah, that that scent is just pure nostalgia for me. Yeah. Oh, my God. I feel like my sisters and I, we definitely had one. I don't know who actually, like, had it. But, like, we would, like, fight over it. Like, it was, like, it was so, like, I can, I feel like I can smell it now. And, mm-hmm. yeah, when I read that article, I was thinking, like, oh, damn, I wish I went and bought one. I'm sure they'll do like some type of limited edition release, but I loved all of the lip smackers, like the root beer one and the bubble gum one. And Mm -hmm. it was just, it was so fun. And yeah, I, if we talk about like my first beauty product outside of lip balm, it would be my trip before grade eight. But of course I had lip smackers prior to that. For sure. Yeah, I definitely they were prized like summer camp possessions mm, that you yes. if you bought like the pack of them of like, you know, those soda flavored ones or even like the ones that were like blueberry, strawberry, all those you could trade people. So around camp, that was like currency. <laughs> or if you're Hallie Parker, you can uh bet use them as collateral mm-hmm. when you're playing poker. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, that and like uh, scrunchies and those butterfly clips were all like on the table, like playing whenever things got competitive, like playing pogs or or even just doing weird dares on the butt, like the long bus rides to amusement parks or whatever. These would be uh, things that would be up for trade or betting. But um, in the lip range, I, I'm not sure if they still do it now because I kind of have like I don't really follow what Mac Cosmetics does as much anymore, but my mom was a huge Mac gal in the 90s and their lip glass was definitely like a covetable item Mm -hmm. um little did i know until i started using it god it really dries you out (laughs) don't have it like burst in your bag because you are screwed but i remember that was like a huge deal like if you just wanted like over the top like very showy like angelina jolie lips or whatever uh, that was like the that was the product that you wanted to use, but also mm-hmm. like even just like the Mac like red lipstick or even like mm-hmm. the ones that they would put out every year for um money to raise yeah. raise money for AIDS Foundation was always like the lipstick that you had to have. Mm-hmm. God, I yeah. love lip gloss. Oh my god, I had one explode. I actually literally had one explode in my back. I think it was like late high school. I had one that was like uh. Wow. Yeah. What a, what a trip. Um, we've talked a lot about like makeup beauty products. One thing that we haven't dived into yet are, uh, perfumes and scents from like nineties and two thousands. What are some scents for you all that you are just, uh, you can still like smell, like if you were to smell it out in the wild, you would just have like a flash would come. Yeah. Oh my God. The first one that comes to mind is Clinique Happy. Oh my god. Oh, yes. yes. You could not walk through a mall without uh-uh. being misted 
by that. I got a sample, but it wasn't like a tube. It was like a pretty big sample. And I remember I like wore that for like I tried to make that sample last for like a year. Of course. Because it was like perfume, whereas prior to that I had only been using like body mists because that's again I feel like very like kid there was like a there's a Calgon one that I'm gonna look up it's like Calgon like marshmallow or something that might be is that Canada only no I feel this sounds very familiar I I'm looking it up too now well then that's gotta be like an east coasty thing because I don't recall (laughs) It's like disgustingly sweet, but um, I, and I think it's still sold today, Wow! but my sisters and I were obsessed with this. Like it was, again, you can get it eight bucks from Walmart and (laughs) it would last you like four years because, you you know, you weren't throwing that away. (laughs) Oh my God. And you're using it sparingly. Yes. Yes. Yeah, there was like, um, speaking of like scents like that, that were not, not perfume so much as mists. Uh, (laughs) My, the, the high school girl lockers room at my high school was like a steady scent of like sweat and uh, Victoria's Secret love spell. I don't know. No, love spell was, is the scent of middle school and high school. And then if you want a scent that's going to stop you dead in your tracks for me, it is always going to be Ralph Lauren romance, like (gasps) from... It's got to be like 10th grade through like early college. That was not only like my scent, it was everybody's scent. And I like went on a few dates with a guy who wore the male version of it that smells kind of the same, but like a different, like a little bit different. So it's a little bit weird to be like on a date with somebody that smells kind of like you, but like not too long ago, a couple of years ago, I was on BART and I swear I smelled the male version of Raffle and Romance. And I was like, who is still, who's spraying this? And where did you find it? <laughs> That's so and many. also, is Zach in here? Is that why? Like, <laughs> that's so many. This is not I, the way you want to find out. Literally, like a scent memory. I've actually never heard of Ralph Lauren romance. Ralph by Ralph Lauren. Oh, yeah. yeah. Turquoise bottle was, I think, my older sister's first perfume. And I think that was really popular. So I can still smell that one. And then we didn't have Victoria's Secret for a really long time and then it only came to like toronto and vancouver probably in the early 2000s mid 2000s so we didn't have tons of the victoria's secret sprays but we definitely used a lot of the bath and body works ones oh Oh. yes yes (laughs) oh my god Um, another mall hit. (laughs) (laughs) I'd I'd love to know for each of you, what was your Bath and Body Works uh, scent that you gravitated towards in the lotion, spray, what have you departments? Okay, literally, I always picked Twilight Woods and it wasn't even because I liked the smell. It's just because it said Twilight and I was really into Twilight. (laughs) It was the only reason. Like, it was really, it was pretty, like, woodsy and musky and, like, where I'm, like, more, like, light and floral. But I was, like, well, I have to have it because it's, like, Twilight Woods. (laughs) Duh. That's the reasoning. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, I whatever what was the like sour apple one was like oh, my yes. scent and lotion. I do not know why. I think I got it gifted, and I was like, "This is me now," <laughs> and that's that's just kind of what I used for like a couple of years. Then there was like a short lived time where maybe it was maybe I'm misremembering this, but in the Beverly Center, there was it was either Bath and Body Works or like a competitor where you could like make your own essence, but it was, but it was all like these terrible scents, like your, your musky twilight wood or your weird yeah. green apple or your like <laughs> strawberry mango salsa. And so <laughs> I definitely was like very into that for like a hot second, but mostly cause you're like, Ooh, I'm a chemist. I like make my own scent. <laughs> Look at you, Madam Curie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like fancy. <laughs> yeah. And I think it was expensive, which explains why I only did it exactly one time. <laughs> yeah. 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 I I was very into um there was sun-kissed raspberry was a flavor or or scent that I really liked. Um and then my sister was very into a cucumber melon. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. She did not use sparingly, she used excessively. And so <laughs> I got sick of cucumber melon. And for a very long time, if I smelled it out in the wild, it would just like adverse nausea reaction, nauseous reaction. <laughs> Yeah, I think I had one of the cucumber melon like hand sanitizers and it just like you don't need your hand sanitizer to have that scent or any scent. Like, it's, just, it's disgusting. It was like the ones with like the little granules in it, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Moisture beads. Yes, which aren't those really bad for you? For them, I'm, not for us specifically. For the environment, the environment like my, so. microplastics, etc. Yeah. <laughs> God. But yeah, I was slathering that stuff on. <laughs> oh, yeah. So earlier, Tori, you brought up the fact that, you know, you were in Canada, so you had some very different products. Are there any products that were very strictly Canadian and like when you hear about like U.S. nostalgia you don't ever really hear about them. And then in return, besides, you know, I know Victoria's Secret showed up kind of in the early 2000s. It, were there any other brands that you heard of in the States that really like resonated with you, but you weren't able to to buy until later? Yes. Okay. So I yeah didn't have Victoria's Secret. Sephora didn't come to Canada until I think it was 2004. But again, it just came to like Vancouver and Toronto. So if you didn't live in like a major metropolitan city you wouldn't get those things and like online shopping wasn't wasn't popular I don't even know if they would ship internationally so I think we're left in the dark about a lot of things um Mac is a Canadian brand so I feel like Mac had a big like um it was just really popular before it spread worldwide um did does the US have Avon? Yes. Yes. Okay. So Avon was also a very 90s 2000s thing that me and all of my friends would do. It's like your mom knew an Avon rep, you would get oh, yes. a tiny little catalog, you would pick the products and then order them. Half of them were nothing like what you like ordered. But that was very much a part of my life. But yeah, I don't think there was anything like specific that was Canadian. I just remember us missing out on a lot of stuff. Um, For example, I went down to Seattle 
when I was in high school, and I really wanted the Jessica Simpson fancy perfume. Oh. Which actually smells so gross. Like, I don't know why I liked any of that, but I wanted it so bad. Um, I think I only had a hundred US dollars to spend on my shopping trip and it was $80. So I was like, oh my God, like I either like, I don't get it or I just buy this one thing and I get like no clothes or anything because this was a back to school trip. And I had a meltdown, didn't end up buying it, bought other stuff, but like regretted it. So went to school, must have forgot about it. Christmas comes along and our American relatives come up to visit and they brought me the fancy perfume for Christmas. And it was like so, it was so nice. But yeah, we just didn't get so many of those yeah, like bigger products that the states have, I think. Well, speaking of Jessica Simpson, did you guys get her dessert body lotion line? Oh, okay. yeah. Okay, good. All right. Well, then, yeah. you know, you got the main event. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I st- I still wonder. I was given it as a gift. So I wonder if it was, again, from a American friend or relative. But that was – when I think of the worst beauty products of that time, like it has to be those because so yes. I got like a um you know those like big like pom pom um like that you oh, dab on your the powder yes, like, yes, yes. Exactly. like it's a giant oh, poof yeah, yes. yeah okay. and it's like literally just sparkles yes mm-hmm. and you literally just powder your face with sparkles, which is like you would never do nowadays. Um, I had one of those and then I had her cream and it just smelled so disgusting. Like, I don't even think I liked it then. It was that bad. Uh, Yeah. A friend of mine and I were like, we knew it was gross, but we couldn't help ourselves. And we just like <laughs> sampled like all of the products that she had to offer and like made ourselves f- fucking ill in a Sephora. <laughs> Sampling all of like I remember she had like a, a whipped, like a whipped lotion or something that was like yes. a chocolate. And that was yes. maybe the halfway most decent one. But yeah, the I, I also they were disgusting products, but they were a little bit ahead of their time now that they're doing like, oh, here's a nail polish that smells like Velveeta cheese. Like, mm-hmm. you know, she she was a little bit ahead there, but I mean, still isn't just because you can doesn't mean you should. This is very true. I so I because I had a sister who's only two years younger than me, I we shared a lot of stuff. Um, so if I didn't get something, she would maybe get it. And we I think we had one or two Jessica Simpson products between the two of us, like a lotion and maybe a lip gloss. And, um, you know, I did definitely try to eat the lip gloss once because that was the like novelty of her products was like, oh, you can wear them as makeup or on your face or body, but then you can eat them. But she literally I mean, one, it's disgusting. And I got <laughs> felt terrible after but two she even got sick on the set yes. of one of her campaigns if you watch the show newlyweds yeah well, yeah and that's how it was marketed to exactly me. yeah that yes. was like what they wanted you to do despite the fact that it made everyone ill in their in its wake <laughs> i don't yeah. know what and kind I, of pr strategy that is 
I just was like, oh my God, Nick was so sweet to her in this episode, like caring for her when she was sick. And then she was wearing that pink corset and she had like pink cupcakes and like her hair was so beautiful. And I was like, this is like, this is it. Like this is truly (laughs) it. So I I had to, it was coveted. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, There is one final thing that I wanted to bring up because we were talking since, um, I, uh, had, so, so when I was, I think in middle school, my parents, um, had to travel a lot for work internationally at that point. And my mom in duty free as a Christmas present, um, got me like a small thing of Tommy girl, which was like, Oh, this is it. Um, This is, this is the big leagues, baby. (laughs) Like I was just, so excited so I think like that smell would just like if I if someone out there's bringing back Tommy girl which I'm sure someone in Gen Z is gonna do it like it's it's not an if it's a when um I will forever salute you but I cannot participate because it's just (laughs) such a like stuck in the 90s scent um and then the final thing was that my um my cousin recently texted me and told me that she was trying to start wearing obsession again, like the Calvin Klein fake fragrance. My cousin's oh my 49, God. so she's she's very Gen X. And uh I was just she's in Toronto and I was just like, uh I, I smelled it recently at a at a like um department store and I was like, Yeah, this is a scent. Uh it works for her, I but it does not work for everyone. Yes, yeah. It's funny how those like kind of mid-tier like it, it mid-tier but designer like the Tommy's Ralph Lauren etc did so well in the perfume world yes so weird we've Emily and I have had discussions about this before of just like the there must be a ton of money in perfumes and scents because we get these elaborate multi versions of like celeb perfumes. And then not to mention that every designer, no matter how involved they are in like the production of it, like Marc Jacobs, everybody has some sort of scent. And at one point or another, they had sold so much of it that it it was so profitable that they just kept kind of doing it. And I'm just, you know, I'm just curious to, to see a breakdown of those numbers. But like, when you think about like Britney's empire of a, a majority of it comes from fantasy, which I like don't know a single human being who bought that scent or wears it. Uh, it's crazy to me, but you know, God bless perfumes, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Doing great. It, Holding up the beauty industry and taking up shelf space at Sephora. Mm-hmm. Um, re- one final question that I have, and we just can keep going into discussion um, after this, but uh, if you could bring back, we talked about a whole bunch of products, um, but if there is one product that has been discontinued um, that you could bring back, uh, what would that product be? Well, we, we talked about the Dr. Pepper Lip Smacker. Sure, like, I think yeah. that's like a shoe-in for sure. I actually wrote, um, I don't actually remember the uh, brand, but you know the nail polish that was clear but had chunky sparkles in it maybe see if i can find a picture and send it to you both but it was just like really fun nail polish it <laughs> was like that was literally clear with really big sparkles and i just i thought it was so fun like this streetwear is the I brand know. for sure oh okay oh, wow. i like read, I it's the it's a Revlon, uh, oh, Revlon um, brand. Uh, 
like a a line, I guess, from Revlon. Oh, because, you know, it's like one of those things where like once the trend catches on, I remember Hello Kitty had a version of that where it was just like little Hello Kitty characters with the sparkly yes. trends. But, you know, it's got to stem from somewhere. Right. Yeah. Oh, yes. I remember yep. wearing this nail polish for New Year's many times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just so fun. And it just looks so 90s. And that style is coming back. So maybe we will see this. But mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just not complicated or anything like that. It's just a good nail polish color. Oh, my God. And then putting it over like a darker color, that that's unlocking mm-hmm. some memories here as well. I love it. Oh, my God. I absolutely love this. Margo, are there any products for you that you would like to resurrect? Uh, hair tinsel. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, yes. A lot of the products like that I liked are still kind of exist, but that's kind of the one like um, I know that uh, like Manic Panic is like still a thing. But hair tinsel, as somebody who used to do dance competitions, those were huge. And, you know, I know they're probably not good for the environment, but (laughs) I miss that. And I'm sure this also hasn't gone away, but maybe it needs like a rebrand to make it fun and flirty again. But I'd love like a a good herbal essence campaign like they used to do them. You know, I guess all of my stuff is hair products. Because it could not live without like... And it was always the most expensive shampoo, and I couldn't tell you one thing it did different from anything else in a different drugstore, but, like, harangued my mom because, like, I needed to have it because, like, the rose peach scent or whatever, like, the pink scent was, like, was just... Mm, rose hip. You know, thank you. <laughs> oh, my it was, God. Like, it was the scent to have. Yes. So, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, my God. I was a chamomile girl myself. Mm. Um which was, yeah, it's because of, I think it, I associated chamomile blonde, like, I, I don't know. Um, I, for me, there's kind of two things. One, uh, John Frieda Beach Waves. There was this sea salt spray. Oh, I remember it well, because then I switched over to Bumble and Bumble's sea spray, which is kind of the same, but like more heavy handled. That was like the perfect formula. Uh, it was... I just that smell it's just summer in a bottle but like a healthy summer in a bottle unlike the tanning oil like yeah, yeah. um and and similar to what you brought up earlier Margo so you brought up ha- hair tinsel um I was gonna bring up like hair mascara was a very big thing for a while <laughs> yes. which uh I they're, had a green, they're cousins bright, you know they're cousins <laughs> yeah I had a bright green one and I think uh, this was an extra special tube because I think my mine was either it was yeah was it from a drugstore or Claire's something like that but I loved it it was my first four way foray into like having uh, my hair in another color that was like not found in nature so that was very exciting especially for me who I went to Catholic school pretty much most of my life up until college. And so um, had a strict dress code, couldn't do very much like makeup for me. I I wasn't even allowed to really wear until high school, not because my parents would, I think my parents would have been fine with it, like maybe starting in eighth grade, but it was really more than anything because of our school policies. So having things like hair mascara where it was washable was like just such a treat uh, to feel like a little bit of a rebel just for, you know, <laughs> one shining moment. <laughs> Are there any 
things that you all feel like we have not covered today? I'd love to know if there are any products we want to chat about, any fragrances that deserve an honorable mention. Um, Yeah, would love to hear. I think one of the things that we haven't talked about, but Venus razors. (gasps) (laughs) Like... (laughs) Okay, I could obviously sing the song like I'm your Venus, <laughs> I'm your fire, your desire, whatever that song was. But like it was – I think I started shaving my legs and my armpits in fifth or sixth grade, which seems so early. I was not allowed to. Yeah, I like I was like there was literally no need for me to do that. Um, but I yeah, I, I was definitely in elementary school. Um and I bought my first, or my parents, whatever, bought my first Venus razor. And those commercials were just everywhere. Everywhere. Those like skinny little white legs, like doing like a synchronized dance in the air. <laughs> like it was, I don't know. It was like you're an adult if you shave your legs with your Venus razor. I mean, to that end, I would also say Nair was a big one. Oh, God. Um, I remember it was a huge deal when my my friend's mom, like, was, like, she, like, caved after we were just bothering her for an afternoon. She's like, I'll do, like, a strip of Nair, like, on the back of your leg to, like, show you what it's all about. And just it being like this profound, like, oh, we're adults now. Like, we are yes. women. We use Nair. And then I remember when I went to go buy it for myself at some point in middle school and I was allowed to, having to, like, re- my mom had to explain to me the difference because the the packaging was similar. And for whatever reason, they were, like, in the same aisle. But, like, the difference between Summer's Eve and Nair, like, don't just oh, grab no. whatever pink and white box without, like, actually taking the uh, the time to read the label because you will be severely disappointed. Um, I'm glad you brought up Nair, Margo. So I was in a household in which, one, my parents kind of avoided me shaving for a while. I think I did it for the first time, maybe, you know, sixth or seventh grade. Um, But more than anything, once I was of the age where I'd want to, like, get hair, you know, remove hair from my legs, um, my mom was a Nair person. She either did Nair or she waxed. She did not like razors. She thought it grew back thicker, all that kind of thing. And so she brought me some Nair to use and it was, it gave my skin like so much of a rash. Like it, I, it just did not work with my skin. And so I was like, yeah, I, I can't do this. Like, this is not, this is not going to happen. You're going to have to cave and like, let me shave because like, I am, can't do this. And waxing is very painful. Um, oh God. Yeah. So yeah, that was. That was my foray into shaving legs. And then I feel like my sister kind of, because I paved the way, if you will, was able to <laughs> get a razor when she needed to shave her legs. But Venus, uh, the Venus campaigns are still forever um, seared in my memory. Um, uh, whoever wrote the song Venus, I think it's originally by a band from the 60s, made quite a bit of money thanks to the Gillette company. Any other final products that we need to talk about? I don't know if it was necessarily a product, and I don't know if you guys um, participated in the same cultural appropriation that I did, but bindis were, like, a huge thing for a couple of years because of Gwen Stefani, like, her – and and this is, like, elementary school or whatever, so, like, on the weekends – 
especially if it was a weekend with my dad, we'd go to the Venice boardwalk and my friend Cass and I would find, like we'd shop for bindis and they were like extremely cheap because Hare Krishna's hang out down there all the time. And so they sell them. Um, and also had to have what weed was explained to me <laughs> because they have their like little stoner drum circle every Saturday and Sunday for hours on end. But anyway, we both got bindies and like that was like a huge also like maybe like first steps into like beauty products because we really wanted to look like Gwen Stefani super bad. And that was like the closest way without actually doing makeup or being able to like wear lipstick. Although I'm sure when someone's back was turned, we also added like a red lip or whatever to get closer to the look. The look. I'm glad you brought up Bindi's, Margo, because we given like, so for context, Corey, my mom works in like international law. So growing up, we had a lot of friends who parents worked at, like worked in that field as well. So they traveled a lot for work. And we had a family friend who uh, the dad worked in India and um, they even lived in, in, the family lived in India for a while and uh, they came back with Bindi's and we were like, I think it was like eight or nine years old or maybe 10 even. And like, I too, like you, Margot, wore the, the shit out of these Bindi's. Yes. Very much cultural appropriation there, but boy, did I feel like a rock star at like nine or 10 as I'm wearing these. <laughs> my Bindi my and my press-on nails from the drugstore and mm-hmm. I was ready to party. <laughs> yeah. And my party, I mean, like watch a movie probably and that you did last summer or something. <laughs> yeah, I miss that because I think I'm a, a few years younger than you guys, so I feel like I miss that Um the Gwen Stefani, like the no doubt era, I feel like was like just before me, but I definitely remember her wearing bindies and even Selena Gomez as late as like 2000 and like, I want to say like 16 was wearing oh. a bindi. So yeah, some things never change. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people were still wearing like a uh, Native American or native headdresses to Coachella up until like two years ago. So yeah. Yeah. uh, Progress is slow. (laughs) Yeah. 100%. But yeah, there's definitely lots of other things when I think of cultural appropriation and intro to beauty, like um, cornrows, like going to Mexico and getting your hair done in um, cornrows or singing the bindi. Was there anything else I was thinking of? We talked about the tanner. Yeah. Oh, my cousin got uh, Bo Derek braids, uh, and it, oh, yeah. when yeah. she came to visit, yeah. and as a you know a white French girl who doesn't speak English, because it was just and she wanted like the beach, she wanted like the whole nine, and she got like extensions, and it was like this whole thing. And my mom had to like take her to a very specific beauty shop where she was the only white girl there. Mm-hmm. Um, don't yeah, and it wasn't obviously until like years later that I realized what she did was cultural appropriation and she should have been stopped but um you know you live you learn and Mm -hmm. uh you get bad braids and you hope no one remembers (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah there's definitely a again because my my mom traveled to a few like different countries would bring back like an accessory or something for us to wear that i probably as a child should not have been wearing (laughs) given what it was, but uh, I'm glad we have now had some good discourse on cultural appropriation, what that means and why it's important to not uh, wear these types of things if that is not a part of your culture. Um, And you know what's never going to be a part of our culture again? Crimped hair. Please don't bring that back. Oh, God. God. uh, I like 
in looking through some of these articles, they, you know, hot tools came up a couple of times and they're like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. And like the crimper attachment. And I immediately had like a nom flashback. Where I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Like, I remember <laughs> the different. And, and like, I know yeah. I talked about hair straighteners on your podcast story. Yeah, I was just like, going to say, we've already talked about this, but like, I could do more. <laughs> like, yeah, how much time do we have? It was like, it was yeah. just the attachments. And I remembered the, the attachment one and how like it would melt or become you know, disfigured and couldn't pop back in the slot at a certain mm-hmm. point just because you overused it so many times. Ugh. Yeah, when you're like, oh, the hair straightener's not going to cut it. Can you just iron my hair? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. My mom's like, that's how we used to straighten my hair when I was younger. I was like, that seems bad. Yeah. I'll get the straightener. Your, your, your hair is not supposed to be a shirt or a grilled cheese. Like, you should. <laughs> I know. Like, it's so ridiculous how like I didn't bat an eye at like all of this stuff, but oh my god, yeah, there yeah. were so many hair tools at that time because there was obviously hot tools, the crimper, the straightener. There was also like Conair or like one of those brands sold a tool that would like braid your hair, like it would oh yeah twist. You would put a strand in oh, each little yeah. thing, and then it would snap down press the button, but like it never worked. And it would just no. end up pulling your hair. Like I, I think I had a friend who had one and it's just, there were so many things that were just borderline, uh, if not quite death traps, like at least a, uh, high risk of losing all your hair in the yes. process. Version one of a death trap. It feels like that feels very like floby vibes, like a vacuum that's going to cut your hair like through suction or whatever. Like there's just something not quite right about the whole setup. Yeah, I definitely saw those and I was like, I'm never doing that. Or like where <laughs> the ones that would, yeah, they're like, they're like twisted it or braided it or the ones that wrapped your hair in. Yes. Oh, yes. Like uh, string. <laughs> People <laughs> who are not from our like age group are going to be like, what the fuck? What are you guys doing to yeah. your hair? Yeah, <laughs> there was machines that would wrap a strand of hair in, in <laughs> yarn or whatever, like. <laughs> but I never dabbled in that. I just like, I think I just knew. I was like, that's not for me. <laughs> like, I, all these, all, everyone who's all, like really on the train of bringing back the 90s, I'm like, you're bringing back like the greatest hits of the 90s. But if you really want to bring the 90s back, if you want to live that experience, you need to suffer. All right. Mm-hmm. And early 2000s, there are some rites of passages that come. You don't just get the free, the free ticket and the free ride here. You gotta, you gotta pay the price that comes with living this out in this journey. Yeah. Many, I feel like I lost some hair along the way, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> didn't we all though? I, you know, yeah, I'm sure everyone- my eyebrow, Emily. <laughs> 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 I think that's probably where I'm the most jealous. You speaking of brows, my sister, I plucked the shit out of my brows. My sister did it even more so like sperm brows all the way for quite a while. She miraculously, hers have grown back and she already had great thick eyebrows in comparison to me. And so now as an adult, she has just gorgeous eyebrows. Meanwhile, I have like permanent, like sparse areas that just never quite grew back after the casualties that, you know, took place in 2001. And it's, it's unfortunate how much money I spend on crayons and pencils to make it, you know, look a little better. 
Yeah, I I actually never had a tweezer incident. My sisters definitely did. I think I just had really naturally thin eyebrows. And it's so funny because like I have mine now microbladed. Oh. So like I think I just had sparse enough eyebrows that I didn't really overpluck them. But I definitely used to put a – this was really fancy because – on one of those back to school shopping trips to the states, we went to Anastasia, Beverly oh. Hills, um, oh. at Nordstrom in Seattle, because my mom had saw a scene Anastasia on I think Oprah, after because we would watch Oprah every day from you know four to five p.m. after yes. school, and we got um, my sisters and I all got a. Uh, brow powder and a tracer. So I would literally put a full tracer on my eyebrow <laughs> and just fill it in with powder and call it a day. But it's so funny because so this must have been I must have been like 13, 14, 15, 16. And um, I remember I went out drinking. I was like, I was a young drinker. And um I, because there's no such thing as setting spray or primer or anything like that. And I woke up the next day hungover and my friend's like, what is this like dirt patch on your forehead? And it was my eyebrow. They just had migrated up to my hairline and it was just like, like it was just brown eyeshadow that looked like dirt on my forehead and I was like I literally partied my eyebrows off like, oh my god <laughs> it was so bad but like there was nothing to set it with or anything but yeah I just like you know put the put the stencil on and would um fill it in and sometimes it, one would be higher than lower than the other but he just rolled with it oh my god uh, that's Fantastic. A fun fact about Anastasia that I recently learned was she, the woman, the actual Anastasia is Sebastian Stan's godmother, like the actor. Weird. (laughs) Very weird. That is super, super weird. Yeah. She has done really well for herself. Um, Yeah. And I think, I think her kickoff was Oprah uh, truly, but Uh yeah, that was like the fanciest. We thought we were so cool. Before we, um, I feel like that is just like, you know, laughing our eyebrows off here, parting our eyebrows <laughs> off is a, is a great way to kind of end our, our episode for today. But before we end, I'd love to hear if anyone has any any final parting words, any advice to those uh, youngins who are trying to bring back some of those 90s, 2000s trends. I think like the kind of the final thoughts that I have when I was, you know, reading through the articles we read and going through my mind catalog of everything I've done beauty wise um, was just how like fun and colorful and not serious it was. And I feel like beauty nowadays is so neutral and serious and like you do have to have, you know, it perfectly blended and the perfect skin tone and like everything like that. I guess we're like that might have like come around 2016 and we're kind of moving out of that and going for more natural looks. But like, I just forgot how fun and colorful it was. And I, 
if I do foray back into this kind of makeup style or if anyone if anyone else does I think like that's the thing that I want to remember is and and to emulate is like the fun colors the like kind of not giving an f and just trying a lot of stuff and not having it perfect yeah I think it's like the the amount of like makeup tutorials and like accessibility and like la- you don't have an excuse to like be bad at makeup anymore. Although yes. I shall be perishing on this hill because I'm I'm not that good at it and I don't no. know if I ever need to be. But I-, I think there's like such a wealth of information that never used to be there that like the pressure to go out and like have your best face on, even if it's not something that you're super into, just knowing that other people's makeup will look better and you want to be better at contouring and you have and I think that's great but I I definitely agree Tori like I would love to see a little bit more like fun and playfulness and I I will give props to Euphoria's makeup team because I think that they really have at least like opened it up for people to do experiment with color and like do stuff that's out there even if it's like a Tuesday and like you don't need an excuse and to like I don't know loosen up about the whole thing and I know that the makeup artist also has a line out that's like a vegan clean makeup but it's like very bright like super fun colors and it kind of almost makes me want to I don't know experiment with something wacky and see where it goes because like you said shouldn't take it so seriously it's just makeup Mm -hmm. Margo I'm gonna show up to our next hangout with some bright green eyeliner (laughs) yeah love it (laughs) I I probably will I got (laughs) did I tell you for like the open house or the housewarming party I got this like new um eye makeup that's like from Glossier and it like comes in this tube and it's like a a thicker like top to the tube and I couldn't get it open and it was like a hot day and I was starting to get really frustrated and I was like if I have to look at a TikTok to show me how to open this I'm gonna scream I'm not that old and then when I googled it everyone's like yeah the thing's just like super hard to open like think of it like a jar like get a towel and try to open I was like this is I will not let this undo me this will not be my barrier to entry I will have fun (laughs) with a sparkly lilac eyelid (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. I know that. I know what you're talking about. And I love that. Yes. Once you finally get it open, it's like a really nice color. I think I will go back for some more. I do like their like liquidy eyeshadow stuff because sometimes the powder will kind of like your eyebrow story will like kind of um, it goes up. (laughs) It goes up. up For me, it goes down and it goes up. I I might buy some. We'll we'll be twinsies. (laughs) Well, Thank you so much for joining us once again, Tori. Um, Before we end for today, do you have anything you'd like to plug, any upcoming projects you're working on or um, anything surrounding your podcast? Oh, thank you. Um, Just released an episode today about celeb astrologies. I had an astrologer come on and do some tarot readings of like Britney Spears, Rihanna, uh, Anne Hathaway, Taylor Swift, and Kim Kardashian. Ooh, that sounds so, fun. Yeah, super Great. fun. And just like chill. Even if you're not a believer, it's just kind of fun to, you know, look at the charts and, and get a reading. And then, yeah, otherwise we're just talking about pop culture news, celeb gossip, <laughs> reality TV. Uh, you can find Ready to be Petty on all podcast platforms and my socials. Um, my handle is at RTBP podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, everyone. Once again, for joining us for an episode of old millennials. 
as you know, we have a Patreon and, or maybe you don't, but we have a Patreon and uh, for $5 a month, you can join our old millennial cinematic universe. That gets you two pieces of content a month. Usually Margo and I are watching the latest and greatest um, Netflix or Hulu docu-series or um, other cool shows on TV. We'll give you the rundown of what we think. Uh, we will, in the next couple of weeks, be releasing an episode after we have seen um, Don't Worry Darling. So we'll have lots to talk about. Um, so check us out at uh, Old Millennials Pod when you go to Patreon. Um, additionally, you can find us on social media. Uh, we are at the Old Millennials Pod on Instagram and on Facebook. And then individually, you can find us on Twitter. I am at Emily A. Beijing. And I'm at Marge, she wrote. And until next time, we say bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, Tori. Thank you. <laughs> and there you have it. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to Emily and Marco for having me on their podcast today. If you like this, tell me if I should do more like I guest on so many podcasts could definitely ask the hosts if I can do a little bit of a feed swap. That's what we call it in the business. So let me know if you like it. But if you want to follow along about what I'm doing on vacation or, you know, again, my comments on pop culture currently follow me at RTBP podcast and check out my Patreon, patreon.com slash RTBP podcast. Okay, friends, I hope you are safe and healthy out there. As always, I'm your host, Tori, and I'm ready to be petty. See you soon. Bye.